Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to mystory@toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. God has given us many principles that impact our everyday lives, especially in our homes. Listen as Pastor Chad Gilligan teaches us about how we can apply these principles in this series called Family Matters. We have a good, good father, don't we? You can be seated, and uh, as you are, would you take your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6 this morning, whether you have it in a print or a digital form. Ephesians chapter 6, we're in a series of messages uh, that we are calling Family Matters, and last week we looked at what Paul says about how in each relationship we submit to one another. We talked about marriage principles a couple weeks back. Today, we're going to talk about the subject of parenting, one of the most fundamental um, topics from the home. A couple of weeks ago when Ron and I were out of town, we attended a, a conference for Assemblies of God pastors that they had in Southern California. I think they said, how do we figure out how to get all the guys from the Midwest to come to a conference? We do it in Southern California in February. Doesn't that make sense? And so uh, it, was, it, was, it was a great event, really uh, beneficial conference. And uh, one of the days Ron and I were able to go to the coast. And, and when we did, the, the, you can go to the Pacific coast. They've got things there like oceans and mountains that we don't have here. And it's, it's really kind of cool. And we saw this tree. Take a look at this picture of this tree that was there. And it doesn't take much to see that it's grown a little funny, hasn't it? It kind of started out right. And then it kind of went like all the way to the right. Do you see that? It's kind of like some of your politics. It, like, it just kind of goes all the way. And, and the, the tree just kind of grew in that way. Here's what's interesting. To the left is the ocean. So you have the constant pressure of the wind coming off the coast that's blowing up on the top of this hill where that tree is. And, and I'm no botanist. I don't know this for a fact. Here's what makes sense to me. When I see that tree, what I see is as it's grown, the wind has constantly pushed it with this little bent that it, it kind of shaped the way that it grew. Does that make sense to you? I mean, that's what I think. I think it bent it. It actually kind of warped it. And it makes me think of parenting, because the constant force of the parent, the, the influence of the parent, constantly in the life of the child, shapes, and in the case of my kids, warps those children <laughs> in some way or another. Paul talks about this, Ephesians chapter six, we're looking at verses one through four today, and Paul talks about the important role that the parent plays in the life of the child. Listen to what he says here, Ephesians chapter six, verse one, listen to what he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, so that it may go well with you, and that you may enjoy long life on the earth, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Look at that last verse for just a moment again. He says, and here's the primary role of the parent, and this is kind of where we're going to land today. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, how, how do we not exasperate them or kind of put them in a bad situation? Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Well, what's the primary role of the parent? Well, to bring up your child, to, to shape them, as we've talked about with that tree. It's not new to us. It's a very familiar passage. Proverbs 22, verse 6. This is the New International Version. It says it in this way Start children off on the way they should go, 
And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. You may know the King James Version. This is what I grew up reading. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So you've heard that. There's that scriptural principle that a parent's influence shapes the life of a child. God has designed the spiritual influence of the parent to shape the future of the child. It's interesting where Paul here talks to fathers in Ephesians chapter six. It's interesting how he says that because he's not just speaking to the dads, he's speaking to parents on a whole, but he wants you to see dads that there's a responsibility that comes to you. If you're familiar with, let's just say pro sports, when a professional sports team is not doing well, who usually takes it on the chin or maybe gets fired? Oftentimes it's the, the coach. Guess who's the coach of your family? It's you, dad. And before God, we hold a responsibility in how we lead our homes. And so this instruction from Paul is to parents, and he says this, let me talk to you about how you should train your children. Today, I wanna give you five things wise parents teach their children. Now, these are principles from scripture. So whether you're a parent here today or not, maybe you're a parent, but your kids are not in the home anymore. These still apply to you. Maybe you're married, but you're not a parent yet. Someday you will be, and these things really apply. But it doesn't matter what season of life you're in, whether you are a parent, not a parent, have been, never will be, however you wanna look at that, the truth is this. These are biblical principles that apply to our lives no matter what season we're in. Now, we're gonna apply them pretty specifically to the aspects of parents who are raising children in the home, but I hope you'll see how this works in every area of our lives. Five things that wise parents teach their children. Here's number one, it's obedience. Five things wise parents teach their children, it's obedience. And all the parents said, come on, that was weak, mom and dad. (laughs) Ephesians chapter six, verse one says this, children, obey your parents. Let me stop there for just a minute. I want you to think about how revolutionary the scripture was 2,000 years ago when in a domineering Roman Empire, Greek-influenced culture, Paul starts out a sentence instructing directly to the children. The children had no value in society. They didn't have any place in society. There was no reason that someone of Paul's stature should speak to a child in this way. Do you know what Paul was saying? He was saying, look, in Christ, it doesn't matter who you are. You have value. This was a powerful statement for him to make. And so he says this, children, obey your parents in the Lord. I just wanna read that again. Doesn't that touch your heart? Children, obey your parents. In the Lord, amen, yes, for this is right. Powerful principle that's there. Here's why, because scripture speaks to us about this idea of obedience in every area of life. See, obedience is powerful, not just in the area of children and parents, but in every area of life where we see that there are places where we must show obedience. Here's what obedience is based on. Obedience is based on authority, that there is someone in your life that has some kind of authority that whether you understand it or not, you show them obedience. I left my house the other day. I don't know if I should say this out loud or not. I didn't in the last service, but I thought about it. I left my house the other day. Our, 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 pull out my driveway, pull out the street, make a turn. I'm right in a school zone immediately. I don't see the signs, anything like that. I see the school, this kind of thing. And I had to get my son to a, to a doctor's appointment and we were running a little late. He'd just gotten you know, off the bus, so we're on our way. And I just pulled right out, didn't even think of what time it was. I wasn't necessarily speeding, except it was school time. And I was in a school zone. 
wasn't even thinking about it. Was I was probably thinking, I was probably praying for you, right? I'm sure that's what I was doing. I was praying for you. And as I, as I pulled out, all of a sudden, I saw these really pretty blue and red lights. And then I realized, oh, he wants to talk to me. He's probably seen the show on WLMB. You know, that's, you know, that's not what I'm thinking. You know what I'm thinking? Aw, oh, man. It's a school zone. And I'm busted. And I'm going to run for it. Is that what I thought? No, I stopped. Why? Because I know that there's certain places where there's authority. And when you have that authority, what do you do? You obey. You obey. Apparently, that police officer was a Christian. And if you're watching, thanks for the warning. I love it. Thank you very much. Thank you. I, did, I didn't have a clue. I honestly didn't have a... Thanks. So this is how... This is how this works. When you know that there's that authority, you obey. Look, God has put obedience as a part of the structure of everything. We looked at this last week. Everything that works in one way or another has us submitting to the authority that God has placed in our lives. And everybody has that in one way or one place or another. That's why as parents, we help our children to understand this because it builds character in their lives. It helps them. Children should respond with obedience to their parents. This is just the way that God has designed it. It's critical for us to see this. And parents, sometimes that's a little bit tricky for us because not only should children respond with obedience to their parents, not because the parent is domineering, not because the parent is demanding or lords it over them. This is a relationship, remember we talked about this, of mutually caring for each other. But then, and, and this is where I think a lot of times mom and dads, we miss it in our culture, parents should expect obedience from their children. And we've gotta help them because when we create a culture where we make it easy for this to happen, where it's expected, where it's healthy, it is a powerful thing that takes place. And oftentimes this is hard for us because parents oftentimes, I don't know, you can't parent without discipline. And we don't always like discipline because that's, that's difficult. Sometimes it's, it's harder on the parent to discipline than it is on the child to be disciplined. And it's important that we do this. Not only does parenting require discipline, but the one thing that we don't like sometimes is that parenting requires disappointment. Don't we want everybody just to be happy? And there's times when a loving no is far more powerful than a loving yes. It's not easy in the moment, but it's healthy for us to learn to live with disappointment. Look, my friend Larry Osborne pastors a church in Vista, California, and he talks about the fact that we need to be careful that we're not helicopter parents. Have you ever heard that term? Parents that just hover all the time over their children, and that if for some reason, not necessarily because there's damage coming to your child, but if your child doesn't like their third grade teacher, a hovering helicopter parent makes sure it's known, right? You know, parents, sometimes the best thing that we can do for our kids is let them have a lousy third grade teacher that they don't like because it teaches them that not everything in life is fair and that mom and dad aren't gonna swoop in in their black hawk every time something goes bad. Because here's the deal, is everything in life fair? No, and we go through life with the good, the bad, and the ugly. Let me even ask you this, is everything that comes our way from God fair in life? And haven't we done our kids a disservice, parents? If we teach our kids to run every time something's not fair, we might inadvertently be pushing them to run away from God when he's wanting to take them through some of the most formative areas of our lives. Sometimes it's important for us to just learn that we obey and that we 
live in that way. Wise parents teach their children the value of obedience. And let me just say this. You know where kids learn it more than anything else? When you and I model it. Because if you ask them to obey but you break all the rules, sends kind of a confusing message. First thing wise parents teach their kids is obedience. Second thing, number two, is honor. Number two, second thing that wise parents teach their children is honor. Honor's a little bit different from obedience. Obedience is just, look, there's authority, and whether I understand it or not, whether I like it or not, I'm going to do what they say, unless it's sin, right? We'll, we'll, we'll take that one off the table, but I'm going to do what they say because of obedience. Honor is a little bit different. See, honor is this incredibly powerful concept. It's not just what we do. It comes a little bit deeper to who we are. It's based not so much on authority. Well, let me read what, what, what Paul writes here. Ephesians chapter six, verse two, quoting the Old Testament. He says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. That's one of the 10 commandments, right? In fact, right? Have you guys read the 10 commandments? Okay, good. You heard him saw the movie, Charlton Heston, you with me? Okay, so number five, honor your father and mother. And he says, look, this is the first one that has this little promise attached to it. In fact, it says that if you do it, good things will come your way. It's, it's a healthy thing. Honor is different. Obedience is based on authority. I think honor is based a little bit more, and I, I tried to find the, the best word that I could find. Let's just say honor is based on relationship because you realize that there's a relationship here. Let me, let me just say it in this way. I was taught as a child that I didn't question a whole lot of things about this. I just honored a police officer. Does that make sense? If I saw a fireman, I honored them. If I saw someone that was in the military, I honored them. The, the home and the culture that I grew up in the church was, if, if there was a, a clergy member or a leader in the church of someone, I honored that person. Not because they'd done anything, just because of who they were in relationship to me. Honor is something that you give. And what Paul says here is this. We honor father and mother. He doesn't put any caveats on it. He doesn't say honor the good fathers and the fantastic mothers. He says, honor the people that are in that role because of the relationship that they have to you. Honor your father and mother. You give them a sense of respect because of who they are and what they represent. Now, let's touch base on a couple things here. That's key, parents, for us to teach our kids. It's also key, if they're gonna learn it, that they see it from us. Do you ever outgrow honor? Here's the deal. When, when you get older and move out from under the roof of your parents' home, do the Ten Commandments go down to nine? <laughs> Whew, I can dodge number five now. See you, Mom and Dad. No, you never outgrow honor. You never grow past that point. We are always our parents' children. Isn't that true? So often I look in the mirror and I see my dad and I'm reminded I am always my parents' child. Lately, he's been showing up right in here in a way that he hadn't before. I was like, oh, hey, Bob, there you are. I mean, it's just that I'm looking more and more like my dad. You're always your parent's child, and we honor them even in that, which raises this fascinating question. Some of you have a relationship with your father or with your mother that has been the cause of great blessing in your life. It's given you joy. You look in the mirror and you see your parents' influence in your life and you go, man, that's so awesome. God, thanks for great parents. But I know that's not everybody's story. In fact, oftentimes the question that we get asked is, how do you honor someone who isn't worthy of that honor? My mom's crazy. Not my mom. Not, I need to back that up for just a minute because she goes to church here. Not my mom. Not my mom. Who, by the way, 
Today may or may not be her birthday, and she doesn't want you to know. But just for the record, my mom, who's not, she's not even here, but thank you. Good, good job. She's, so, but my mom, okay, is not crazy, but some of you might say, my mom's crazy. Not my, you know what I'm saying. Your, your mom, some of you might say, my dad sure wasn't worth honor. He was, he was absent. He did more to mess me up than to help me out. So how do you want me to honor someone like that? Do you know how my parents are acting? Do you know what they're asking me to do? And then you want me to honor them? Look, honor isn't just about blindly doing what someone says. Honor, ah, it's so key. Honor isn't so much about who that person is. It's about who you are. It's about the state of your heart. It's about how you view that person. It's about how you respond to that person. So in a situation like this, how do you honor them? I think you honor them by respecting them for who they are and the role that God has called them to in your life, whether they've lived up to your expectations or not. It means you're not gonna gossip about them. It means you're not going to slam them. It means that in these tough situations that you're gonna pray for them. It means that even in the midst of this, you ask the question, how can I come alongside of them and show them honor without giving them shame? It doesn't mean that I blindly support them. It doesn't mean that I do something that goes against my conscience or maybe even sin. But it does mean that I show them the honor that I feel that God would have for me to give to them. Now look, I know some of you are in a situation where your parent might look at you and go, but if you don't do what I tell you to do, then you're not honoring me. Honor is more about the state of your heart and your relationship with God than it is just about somebody else's perception. But I can tell you there is something dreadfully dangerous about when we disregard honor in the life of someone who deserves it because of who they are in our lives, whether we think they do or not. Let me give you just a quick example from scripture. Do you remember King David in the Old Testament? If you read First and Second Samuel, you'll, you'll see his story. God anointed him, God called him to be king. He says, David, you will be king, but not yet. He says, you'll be king after King Saul. Do you know anything about King Saul? At times he was both crazy and absent. Oh, and then there was that part about how he wanted to kill David. Chased him out into the wilderness trying to kill him. You know what David did? In the midst of all of that, he said, I'm gonna run for my life because Saul's crazy, but I'm not gonna respond in a way without honor because he's the king and I'm gonna show him honor. Was that easy? No, you read 1 Samuel. You'll see and find out. But here's what you see. Because he chose to honor even that person who was wrong in how they held that position, God brought incredible blessing on David to the point that we still refer to him as the greatest king that Israel ever had. Honor is this incredible principle that we must cultivate in our hearts if, well, let me take you to the third thing. First thing, obedience. Second thing, honor. Third thing that wise parents teach their children, number three, is reward. Number three is reward. We could have phrased this a lot of different ways, but I, I, I took the positive spin here because Paul gives a positive spin. Here's what he's saying. Look, obedience and honor, they pay off. And when you live with this in mind, there is, and it's really clear here, a reward that comes. Ephesians chapter six, verse two. Listen to what Paul says. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Here's what I think is so important, parents, that we teach our kids. And we miss this sometimes. We need to help them understand that life has consequences. 
the way that you live your life, the things that you do will come back and affect you. The decisions you make today have ramifications for tomorrow. And here's the big thing that Paul says. Help them to see that blessing follows obedience. That when you honor, even if it doesn't feel right, God will bring favor to your life. You're gonna be blessed in the earth. He says you're gonna have a long life. You're gonna have blessing in this place. If you go back and read how he, how he writes about this, especially in Deuteronomy chapter six, what the Bible actually says is this, that if you will be a culture of honor, God will bring blessing to the land. Do you see this? The blessing of a nation actually begins with the relationship between parents and children in the home. There will be reward that comes as a result of this, and we need to teach our children that life has consequences. Here's how Paul says it, Galatians chapter six, verse seven. Read this with me. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. It's it's one of the clearest principles in all of scripture. You reap what you sow. Does your kid get that? Parents, do, do, I guess maybe I should ask, do I get that? Do I understand that this is how it works? This is the reality of life. The choices I make today will affect my life tomorrow. And if we can teach that to our children, especially early in life, it will help them to make good decisions. Dr. Henry Cloud, his book, Nine Things You Simply Must Do, refers to this principle as play the movie. It's a great analogy because we've all seen movies, right? And we know this, that what happens in one scene of the movie could play out and affect all the other scenes in the movie. This choice, this decision, this tragic experience could have the opportunity to affect every other scene in the movie. So take your life and play the movie of it. What would happen for the rest of this movie based on how you respond in this scene? The choices you make in this scene are gonna affect the next scene. What happens in this chapter of your life has an incredible influence on what happens in the next chapter of your life. What if we taught our children to play the movie of their life out so that they could see that each of the choices that they make has the opportunity to either bring frustration or God says it'll bring reward. See, God isn't trying to take away our fun or ruin our days. He's trying to say, look, if you will live by my principles, I can do powerful things in your life. We as wise parents need to help our children understand this principle. Play the movie out. See how you want it to end because you'll reap what you sow and live a life of obedience, honor, and reward. We see these things really clearly in the first three verses of this chapter. Let's go to the fourth verse. Let me show you the fourth thing that wise parents teach their children, and it's encouragement. Number four is encouragement, that we find a way to bring encouragement into the life of our children and that they pick up on that. How does Paul say it in verse four of Ephesians six? He says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. I don't use the word exasperate very often. I feel it quite often. I don't use it very often. I think it's the, the old King James Version that says, fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. My mom used to say that to my dad all the time. When he would like tease me, she'd go, Bob, do not provoke him to wrath. <laughs> I had no idea what that meant, but I'd be like, yeah, Bob, stop it. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but don't do it. Listen, listen Paul, Paul gives these same concepts in Colossians chapter three. And listen to what he says here. This helps us. He says, fathers, Do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Listen to those words. Exasperate in Ephesians 6. Embitter and discourage 
in, in Colossians chapter three. Paul's saying, look, parents, you need to understand the state of your child's heart. And you need to know that it's actually a pretty fertile place. It, it's, a, it's a moldable place. And the way, and I'll just, I'll just tell you this, it doesn't matter how old your kid is, mom and dad. You have incredible power to speak into their life words of encouragement. I like it when you tell me it was a good sermon. I really like it when my mom tells me. And, and I know she just says it. I don't care. I still like it. Because it means something. The words that you say, the encouragement that you bring, you have the incredible power to make sure that you don't make your child bitter or discouraged. I know bitter and discouraged people. I don't like to be around them. It's a miserable way to live. And parents, you have the power to shape that, the power of encouragement. So let me tell you, especially for those of you that, that still have children under your roof, something I think is preventative if you'll grasp this. It's an incredible concept. It's this. Parents are the key to a child's health. Parents are the key to a child's health. I was, I was in Columbus yesterday taking part of a, a seminar that was put on for, uh, by the Assemblies of God in Ohio for churches and leaders and stuff, and I had a little bit of time, and so across the street was a Starbucks, and I wanted to kind of finish up some stuff from my notes for this morning, so I went to Starbucks, got something to drink, and, uh, and I looked around because I wanted to find like the right spot, and I found it. It was perfect. It was the corner. It was away from the, the counter and stuff. had a really comfy chair, and I just kind of got right over there. There was nobody there because when I work on a sermon, I love you, but I don't want you around. I just, man, I just, I dial in. I don't, I don't, I'm too easily distracted, and so I found like the spot, nice chair. I was like, God, thanks for loving me more than anybody else, you know? And so, so I'm sitting there with my laptop and I'm working away, doing good. I was there probably about a half an hour and then they came in. Three young moms came over and sat at a table about this close to me as that. And I'm like, God, what did I do? And there they were, Susie, Sally, and Sarah Starbucks. I don't know what their names are, but that's just what I, it's like, oh, come on. And I wanted to go, ladies, if you could just keep it down, that would be awesome. I'm doing the Lord's work over here. <laughs> but I didn't. I was just like, okay, some kind of judgment in my life. Like, I didn't know, you know, and I don't know. And then they start talking about where they buy their organic produce. I do not care. Well, I go over here. Well, I go over there. Well, you get a better price over there. Well, I'm hard on myself because I drive all over to blah, 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 blah. I'm like, come on, ladies. This is it. That's your life. I'm writing, I'm writing a sermon do them a thing. Then they start talking about girl stuff, you know, I'm like, <laughs> working away. And then they start talking about their kids. They start talking about the schools and about different things that are going on in their lives. And I thought, I'm over here writing a sermon on parenting. And I got a, I got a focus group right over here to my right. <laughs> So I did one of these numbers. Now, just for the record, guys, when you do one of these to a table of three ladies in Starbucks, you're immediately creepy guy, just so you know this, right? So I did one of these numbers, and Sally over here, the farthest from me, she kind of looks at me like, you know what, we'll take you out right now, dude. You know, this is, there's three of us, one of you. And I says, ladies, I don't, I don't mean to interrupt you, and I know this is a little, little weird, but can I ask you a question? And I realized at that moment, my spiritual gift is eavesdropping. It's like, you know, it's like, oh, wow, this is, I probably shouldn't, but you're right here, keep it down. So I, I just said, look, I couldn't help but hear you guys were talking a little bit, and can tell that your moms, I said, and I was trying to be sneaky, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working on preparing a talk 
that I have to give to a group of parents about the influence of a parent in a child's life. I know your, your moms, you're sitting here talking about your kids. Can you, can you help me? What, what do you think is the influence of a parent in the life of a child? These three ladies went into full mom mode like that. <laughs> and what they said was actually genius. They said, look, well, we are the primary influence in the life of our child. We shape their life. We lead by example. How they eat, how they dress, how they have communication in relationships, it's all gonna stem from what they see in our home. When I began to talk about the fact that if I have an unhealthy relationship, she says, with my husband, that's gonna play into what my child thinks marriage should be. How they are educated, how they learn, their worldview, their perspective on things. It's pivotal. They're gonna understand life and learning based on how we lead them. One of them said, look, we, we've been, she said, she said this, which I thought was an interesting statement. She said, we've been created to be caregivers, but none of us are perfect. And so we'll help our kids to see how you navigate all these different areas of life. I was like, thank you, Sally, Susie, and Sarah for writing my sermon. This is awesome. And that whole we've been created thing gave me a little idea. And I just said, well, let me ask you this. Do you think that the parent plays a role in the spiritual development of the children? And she goes, oh, absolutely. She goes, we believe that, that our influence affects that in their lives and that Jesus Christ is the foundation of our home. And I'm like, oh, this is on the T. And I says, well, let me just ask you this. Isn't that kind of like brainwashing? I says, who are you to tell your kids what they're supposed to believe? What, what is it like that you're just kind of forcing that religion on them? Don't they have a right to choose what they want to believe? And she was like, oh, they have a right, but I'll make sure that they know the truth. <laughs> and that's when I came clean. I says, that's awesome. I'm a pastor of a church, and I got you, you know? It's like, you know, and so it's kind of a cool thing. So I invited them to watch this. So Susie, Sally, and Sarah, if you're watching, thanks for letting me interrupt your little girl time, and uh, thanks for the information, because I wanted you to see this. Look, parents, you are the key to your child's health. I don't, I don't know if it's just because, I don't know if it's just because of preparing this, but on Tuesday, I had like three or four conversations with people that I walked away and I said, oh, that's why they're the way they are. It's because of their parents' influence. That's why they're so healthy and normal and functional is because of their parents' influence. And then there were times when I went, oh, that's why they're like that. I just met his dad. <laughs> that's why he's like that. Look, it's, extremely important. Parents, you are the key. According to how God has designed things, what we see in Ephesians 6, you are the key to your child's health, to which some of you go, uh-oh, <laughs> or that explains some things, or thanks, chief, for pointing out all my regrets, because there's things I wish I'd done, or I wish life had a rewind button and I could go back and do some of that over. Look, as important as you are as the key to your child's health, don't miss this. Parents are the key to a child's healing. Not just their health, but I think also their healing. Where one is preventative, this is kind of reactive. Look, I'm gonna guess that every one of us somewhere has um, parented in a way, whatever age you are, that has left some kind of, I don't know, let's get a little touchy-feely, it's, it's, it's left a wound somewhere. And all of us probably carry them in some kind of way. And you know what's interesting? We never outgrow this one. And parents, some of you, like, 
it's too late or it's too far or there's too much damage or there's this or that. You know, I got a really cool text from a friend last week who God spoke a little voice of conviction into his life in church on Sunday and on the way home. He said to his kids, they're just in elementary school, but he said to them, look, kids, I need to ask you to forgive me because dad's attitude has been wrong about this and I know that it's affected you. Will you forgive me? I don't know if they understood it, but I know they won't forget it because at some point, mom and dad, you may need to get over yourself and humble yourself and maybe even address something that you think has been far gone and put on a shelf that may still be a wound. You know when you get a wound and if there's something that stays in there, that infection runs rampant? You gotta deal with it. And mom and dad, the reality is that you never lose that power of influence in the life of your child. And it may be that it's right that the key to healing may be the relationship of the parent. Watch this. Do you remember the story Jesus told, Luke chapter 15, about the prodigal son? Do you remember that parable? The younger brother, if you don't know it, go back and read it. The younger brother had issues. The older brother had issues. You know what was the key to both of them dealing with the issues? Them understanding the loving relationship of their father. Once they both got right with the father, it worked everything out. But when there's a rift there, mom and dad, it's something that, that might never be made right. What's important, and I'll tell you this, if you reach out in a loving way and you don't get the response back that you want, what's important is not the response, it's that you took the initiative. If you are a parent who has some regrets, recognize that you could be the key to your child's healing. And if you're a wounded child, some of you are going, Chad, that's cool. I wish my mom or dad were open to hearing that. Some of you say, I wish my mom and dad were here to hear that, either in church or maybe even they're, they're not walking the earth anymore. But the reality is that whether you ever receive that healing or not, from a wound that you, you may say stems from a relationship with a mom or a dad, I know you have a good, good father. Isn't that true? And we sang that song today, and I know it may sound kind of trite, but if you'll bring that wound to a heavenly father who's perfect, he can heal it. Five things that a wise parent teaches their children. Obedience, honor, reward, encouragement. Let me give you the last one, super simple. It's Jesus. Look in all of this. Don't let your kids miss the most important thing. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. It's all back to him. Parents, bring your children up in the training and instruction of the Lord. It's all about him. Understand this. Success in the home begins with submission to the Lord. If you're gonna be successful in your home, success in the home begins with submission to the Lord, that your kids see that Jesus is the center of your home because through him, they'll learn love and forgiveness and obedience and grace and truth. They'll learn what it's like to live in community. They'll learn about their relationships. It starts if Jesus is the center and the foundation. How many of you have ever been to Cedar Point? Been to Cedar Point? I mean, I remember going there when I was young. I was in a big group and we kind of split up and they said, look, um, we're gonna go, we're gonna spread out, but just know that at this certain time, we're all gonna come back to this one point. We knew where to come back to. If you get lost, just ask somebody where to go, come back to this place. For us, this was years ago. Does anybody remember the Demon Drop? What a name for a ride. I've been to churches that should have been named the Demon Drop, but that's a whole different, that's a whole different. Then it was, hey, go back to the Demon Drop, and that's where we'll come. Look, for some of you, what you need is to make sure that your family knows that no matter what happens, we've got some place we come back to, and it's Jesus. You'll always find us there. It's the foundation of our home. And even when life's a wild ride, 
you can come back to Jesus. That's where it all starts. And I know that these messages um, challenge us in a lot of ways. When Ron and I were out of town, we were walking through one of these gifty little shops, and they had all these cute little sayings on signs and stuff. And I saw this one, and when I read it, I was like, oh, that's awesome. We should, we should buy that. And I looked at the price, and I said, no, we're never buying that. We're not getting that. That's too much money. And then we got home, and Rhonda was in a store the other day, and she saw one really cheap, and so she bought it and brought it home. And so as of this week, it, it hangs in our, in our living room, and it says this, remember as far as everyone knows, we are a nice, normal family. Isn't that awesome? I'm sure it could hang in your house. We've all got our craziness. We've got our idiosyncrasies. We've got our failures. But then when you walk out the door on Sunday morning, you just take a quick look and go, okay, remember, as far as anyone knows, the Gilligans are a nice, normal family or dad loses his job, right? That's just kind of, it's the way it works. But it's just not true. And I might not know it, but God does. And you do. And even in those times when you look at it and go, are we messing these kids up? (laughs) Or is it too late? You have a good, good father who can come alongside of you and give you the strength that you need and give you the help that you need and give you the grace that you need and give you the healing that you need. Because he never called you to be nice and normal. He called you to be his. You're his child. You're his family, and we can find hope in that. So I want to do something a little bit different then. I'm going to ask, if, if you're a parent, and whether you're in Auditorium 1, you're Auditorium 2, maybe if you're watching on a screen somewhere, if you're a parent and you still have a child in your home, under your roof, doesn't matter if they're little or older or whatever, you still have a parent at home, maybe you're a, grand, a grandparent and you still have a child at home, would you stand right where you are? You're in, the, you're in the throes of this. You're in the midst of this parenting gig right now. Yeah, thanks. Awesome. So I want to pray for you today. And here's what else I want to do. I want to ask that if you're in the service and maybe you're on the other side of that, you're a parent and and at this point you don't have a child under your roof, but you remember those days. In fact, you're smiling right now because you don't have a child under your roof. I'm going to ask you to stand as well and just place a hand on the shoulder of somebody standing next to you so they know they're not in this alone. John's going to lead us in that chorus again, and we're going to sing that he's a good, good father. And as we do, you might even want to just kind of whisper a little prayer of encouragement into the ear of that person that's standing next to you. Let's take just a moment, pray with one another. Let's sing this song together and realize that where we find our strength is in our good, good father. Let's pray one for another just for a minute. You're a good father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. God, thanks for the reminder from your word that you are our good, good Father. 
And then in every season of life, and no matter what our, what our movies look like, you care for us and you bring love. And Lord, we take just a moment, and I, I want to stand with and focus on, on those parents that are in the midst of this right now. Lord, that as they're expressing obedience and honor, reward and encouragement, Lord, would you help us all to realize that as we keep coming back to Jesus, that you come and give us the strength and the courage we need. God, I, I don't know who, but somebody needed a word of encouragement today that you are the Father who comes along and strengthens us in this incredible calling of parenting. And we thank you for that today. Lord, would you, would you give us your special favor and your wonderful peace in this task that you've called us to, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.